The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Well, we are continuing in our series on Abraham. Really appreciate um, Pastor Dave Tate last week as he talked about the sin of Sodom. A good word. My favorite part was when he quoted me. Um, I, I don't know. I say that a lot. Um, we're going to continue on next week. Will be PG-13. That'll be the last PG-13 one in a while. So you want to mark that. It's PG-13 because the text is PG-13. So if you have little ones, you'll either want to make sure that they are in Sunday school next week or you'll have a great discussion on the way home. Well, we are talking today about Sodom's last sunrise. Sodom's last sunrise. It's interesting that we're talking about it to me personally today because something uh, amazing happened 30 years ago last night. It's hard to believe that November 9th, 1989 was 30 years ago. That doesn't seem that long ago to someone my age. But November 9th, 1989 is the night the Berlin Wall fell. And people who had been bound up for years and years were able to get out of a city where they'd been held in by a power of evil stronger than themselves. See, in 1948 and then into 1949, Berlin was separated into four sectors after World War II. There was the French sector, the British sector, the American sector, and the Russian sector. And I've struggled all three hours not to make a joke about the French sector, and I've succeeded. There we go. Here's the problem. The Russian sector was walled off from all the others. August 12th into the morning of August 13th, 1961. And a wall would extend not just in East Berlin, but all the way to the Baltic Sea, separating East Germany from West Germany. And it was an awful existence. In fact, before the wall was put up, when, when people knew it was going to be put up, they grabbed what they could and they left East Berlin as quickly as they possibly could. In the summer of 1949, in the summer of 1949, 50,000 people left. Between 1949 and 1961, 2.5 million people escaped. I said 49 in the summer of 61 when the wall was coming up. 50,000 people left. Here's a picture of a man who fled after the wall had been built. He escaped. One of the most famous pictures of escape of the Berlin Wall is a picture of this man, Conrad Schumann. This is called Leap to Freedom. Conrad Schumann, in 1964, he was an East German soldier. And I guess whatever he could fit in his pockets, leaving behind whatever family was in East Berlin, leaving behind his friends, leaving behind everything he owned. He got a running start and he leapt over this barbed wire fence and he didn't look back. And that's the call given to Lot and his wife and his children when judgment is coming on Sodom. Flee and don't look back. Let's read Genesis 19, starting in verse 15. 
As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. Well, what's the punishment that's coming on the city? See, Lot's been warned that it's coming the night before this happened. Lot has these messengers from God in his home, and the men of the city run and try to take them. They surround the house, and they try to take them out of the house so they can do whatever they please with them. And Lot offers his daughters up and they say, no, we're gonna take these men and these angels, these messengers from God, blind everybody in the city. And they're still groping for the door. And Lot has just gone out and he's warned his future sons-in-law who are betrothed to his daughters to flee, but they thought he was joking. So then the angels tell him, flee, take your wife, your two daughters and flee away from the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, comma, the Lord being merciful to him. If you underline in your Bibles, that would be a great spot to underline, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought him out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight and you've shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot escape to the hills lest disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, here's a city that's near enough to flee to and it's a little one. Let me escape there. What? Like messengers from God have blinded everybody in your city and said judgment, like more judgment is coming? Flee, get out, don't look back. And, and Lot's going, well, wait, can I go here instead of there? Don't worry about the details, Lot. Get out. Get out. But Lot, he's already received the mercy of God. He just gets grace upon grace. So the, the angel said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of that city was called Zoar, which means little, the sun had risen on earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt and Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord, and he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived." Well, Father, what a hard and intense text to read and consider this morning. And God, I pray you'd be merciful to us and that you'd give us ears to hear some of us even now lingering in sins that are about to sweep us away. Addiction to alcohol, addiction to pills, addiction to some other drug, addiction to sex, and adulterous relationships, Sleep with somebody we're not married to. Bound up in gossip. We got a, to a tongue we can't control. 
no matter how hard we try, bound up in bitterness and we're lingering. So God, help us hear this warning of love today from the text so that we might flee and not look back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is an amazing text of Scripture. It's amazing biblically. It's amazing spiritually. It's amazing archaeologically, as we will see. The first thing that we see in this text, though, in verse 15 and 16, is that Lot ignores a warning. Lot ignores a warning. They tell him, get out, flee, take your daughters, take your wife, get out of here. And verse 16 starts, but he lingered. But he lingered. Judgment's coming. He's about to be swept away, but he lingers. He just sits there like nothing is wrong. My sister, her name's Rocky. She's older than me. She's going to turn 50 soon, and I'll tell you that because she's older than me. I don't know if I mentioned that. When she was four years old, I was a, a baby. When she was four years old, she went squirrel hunting. She wanted to go squirrel hunting with my dad. Now, don't get sidetracked. Some of you might be wondering, wait, did you eat squirrel as a child? Well, I ate paint chips too. That didn't bother me, okay? So don't get caught up. She goes squirrel hunting with my dad. My dad sees a squirrel kind of close by, but a little in the distance. He kind of needs to hurry to get to it. So he just tells my sister, hey, sit down and just stay still until dad comes back. So my sister sits down, you know, and uh, she's sitting there in the woods and she starts to feel something crawling on her legs. Lots of stuff actually crawling on her legs. And, uh, and it's, it's ants. And so she gets bit. She gets bit again and bit again. And everybody who is not a firstborn knows firstborns, they're stubborn, not as smart as secondborns. <laughs> so she just sat there. Just got tons of ant bites all over her body. You can imagine when my dad brought her home, my mom had a trophy for him that said, dad of the year waiting. See, she lingered in this dangerous situation. And really, it's amazing that she's okay. She lingered and she didn't realize how dangerous the situation was. Lot lingers. That blows my mind when I read it. You can turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Because you think all this has happened, and I don't know about you, maybe, maybe you're prideful enough like me to think if I were there, I'd have left, right? I'm humble enough, I understand enough, I can hear from the Lord, I'd have left, right? And you think the angels are coming and they say to Lot, Lot, get out of here, we're about to destroy this city, leave, and Lot just left. No, he didn't. He's seen them blind everybody in the city and they say, we're about to destroy this place and whatever that is is gonna be worse than blindness. He's gotta be ready. He's got his wife and daughter. He's gotta be ready to go. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. In fact, they had to seize him by the hand, if you will, and take him kicking and screaming out of Sodom. That blows my mind when I read it. They seized him by the hand, comma, God being merciful to him. I got to tell you, when I, when I read that, I don't know what comes to your mind, but I can tell you what comes to my mind. Ephesians 2, 
And you were dead in trespasses and sins. And once you walked, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, and the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Lot knew when he moved to Sodom. He knew what kind of city it was. They had a reputation. They were great sinners against the Lord. But he saw that green and lush valley. Remember, it was a green and lush valley. It was beautiful. And he said, no, 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 I'll go there and I'll be okay. Other people might not be as strong as me, right? They couldn't go to Sodom, but I'm going to be just fine there. I'll be okay. And he went and he got enamored with the culture. So much so, as Pastor Dave told us last week, when these men come and try to take the angels out, he says, no, take my daughters instead. What in the world? It sounds like he was following the course of the world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work and the sons of disobedience. And so were we by nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But listen to this, Ephesians 2, 4, but God being rich in mercy. Lot was seized by the hand and led out of Sodom. His life was saved, God being merciful to him. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. See, Lot ignored a warning, but Lot was carried along by the mercy of God. They seized him by the hand. He was carried along by the mercy of God, and then they tell him, escape. They tell him, escape, escape. Don't stop and don't look back. Flee to the mountains. Flee to the hills. Verse 17, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Don't look back. Would anybody like to guess what the point of the message is that I would like you to get today? Don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. And then when we read what happens as Lot and his daughters escape to Zoar, but his wife looks back, it's amazing, it's tragic, it's overwhelming, and it's a warning for us. So what we're going to do with verses 23 through 28, we're going to look at them archaeologically, and then we're going to talk about them spiritually. The sun had risen on the earth. When Lot came to Zoar, verse 24, the Lord reigned on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Now, if you go to ancient Sodom and Gomorrah today and you look east where that lush valley was, do you know what you see? The Dead Sea. It used to be beautiful. It used to be lush. It used to be green. And now it's called the Dead Sea. And the reason it's called the Dead Sea is because everything in it is dead. Yeah, it's full of salt. It's full of salt. You would think it would be lush and beautiful like it once was. But now it's a Dead Sea. Nothing can grow in it. 
And if you walk around outside ancient Sodom and ancient Gomorrah and you look on the ground, you can find them and some have been driven into the earth. Guess what you find? A whole lot of rocks made of sulfur. And then there's a substance called white sulfur, also known as brimstone. If you light the rock on fire, a chemical reaction occurs. It will burn and sulfur dioxide rises up and it just burns your nose. That's what's at Sodom today. And I don't know if you find this interesting, but I find this interesting because in a world that is full of rationalism and modernism and then postmodernism, one would think that this ancient book, if it weren't true, you would think that archaeological finds would just easily prove it wrong, right? That's what should happen if it's not true. These claims should be proven wrong. But over and over and over again, the claims that the scripture makes, the stories that it tells, archaeology proves them true. Even secular scientists who would be quick to say, obviously, there's no God. Here's what they say about the area around the Dead Sea and Sodom and Gomorrah. They say, obviously, there's no God and sulfur and fire weren't sent from the Lord out of heaven, right? I mean, we're scientists, secular scientists. We know that there's no God. However, something cataclysmic happened between 2,000 and 1,500 years before the birth of Christ in the area of Sodom. Maybe it was a meteor, but something certainly came out of the heavens and fell on this place and everything there was destroyed. Now that, that's odd to me. I don't know if that's odd to you, but you would think, no, this is a false story. There's a sea there. It was lush. It should still be lush, but that's not the case. Sulfur and fire rained from heaven on this place. And then this is the craziest thing. Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became what? A pillar of salt. A pillar of salt. Now, if you leave ancient Sodom and you go around Mount Sodom towards Zoar on the side of Mount Sodom, you can guess. Anybody want to guess what this is? Pillar of salt, you guys are so smart. I'm I'm amazed that you got that. That's a pillar of salt. Now hear me, I'm not saying that's Lot's wife, okay? (laughs) Here's what I'm going to tell you though. Rabbis since 200 AD in the Mishnah have had a name for this pillar of salt. For the last 1800 years, rabbis have had a name for this pillar of salt. Anybody want to guess what they call it? Lot's wife. So there are a couple of things that that this ought to do for us today. First, it ought to give us confidence when we read the scripture. It's just over and over and over. Archaeological finds show that it's true. But there's another thing that it ought to do. It It ought to cause us to be really, really still in a culture that thinks that God isn't going to judge anything Except, of course, those people who sinned against me, right? We don't want a God who judges except, except for those who've sinned against us. So as we look at these texts, there's a warning for us. There's a warning for us. Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt and she stands as a warning for us today when you're running from sin Flee and don't look back. 
flee and don't look back. Let's turn to Philippians chapter three and let's talk about the apostle Paul for just a little bit. Paul's chief struggle, the sin that he thought of when he looked back on his life was a righteous by works identity and a racial identity and that's who his life was wrapped up in being. But he says in Philippians 3, 4 about this sin, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. If somebody were going to boast in who they were, it would be me. If somebody were going to have pride in who they were, it would be me. I was circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as for the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. I was doing all the right things and I was proud of it. But whatever was gain, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ." Indeed, I counted everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Don't miss that. Paul looked back on his life apart from Christ and he said, I count it but rubbish. And the problem that we have today is some of us are lingering in sin. We're lingering in addiction to alcohol. We're lingering in addiction to pills. We're lingering in addiction to other drugs. We're lingering in sexual sin with our eyes. We're lingering in sexual sin with our minds. We're lingering in sexual sin with our bodies. We're lingering in bitterness. We're lingering in gossip. And we don't count it loss. We don't count it loss for the sake of knowing Christ. We don't count it loss. We'll talk a little more about that in just a moment. Paul said, I've suffered the loss of everything. This, this sin that I'm dealing with, can God get me out of it and, and my family survive? Can God get me out of it and I be financially okay? Can God get me out of it and I deal with the shame that's gonna come upon me and I count it loss in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He grabbed me by the hand. He seized me and took me out of my sinfulness. God being merciful. Brothers, I do not consider that I've already made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, Paul said, I am not looking back. And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul didn't look back. Here's what we do. A couple of ways we look back on Sins. We look back on sins of the immediate past, and that usually for us is going to involve sins of money, sins of sex, sins of power, sins of addiction, sins of gossip, sins of greed, things that we've been involved in, and we don't trust God to satisfy us apart from those things. Or saying to God, even as he tries to grab us by the hand and lead us out, I don't trust you, and I don't think you can satisfy me like this pill does, like this 
bottle does, like this sexual deviance does, like this gossip does. We don't think he can satisfy us apart from those things. And then we look further back. When we look further back, that often involves sins against us, wounds inflicted on us that cause us to be angry and bitter and have a misplaced identity. And we still give the person who harmed us power over us. And we think, I'm gonna be angry at them. I'm gonna be bitter at them. I'm gonna be mad at them. I'll hurt them. But we're just hurt and we're bound up and enslaved to our own sinfulness. When the scripture today would tell us, don't linger and don't look back. Don't look back. See, Abraham saw what was happening. He looked over. He had prayed for this city and he had prayed for his cousin. And Abram saw. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, we're told in the verse before that the smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. We talked two weeks ago about how Abraham prayed with boldness, with persistence, and with humility, and God heard his prayer and rescued Lot. And if you keep reading, you'll see how Lot is involved in the purpose that God is doing on earth. God, even in his rescue of Lot, is keeping his promise to Abraham, is accomplishing his purpose of spreading his name and his image through all the earth, ultimately through Jesus Christ. If Lot doesn't get rescued, that doesn't happen. And you can see that next week. Don't look back. So the warning of Sodom is a warning for us. The warning of Sodom is also a warning for us to not look back. There's this moment when Paul is in Athens and he's speaking to the people of Athens and they've got this idol that they worship, like we have idols that we worship. And Paul says, the God who made the world and everything in it Being Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything else. Everything we have is a gift from God, life and breath and everything else. And he made from one man every nation of mankind on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. That means that God picked where we would live and when we would live. Why did he do that? So that we would seek God and feel our way toward him, though he is not far from any of us. And he says in verse 29, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Don't think that this God, the God of scripture, is like an idol like something that we would form by art or imagination because we wouldn't have made this God up. You wouldn't have made him up and I wouldn't have made him up. We wouldn't make up this God. In fact, we would want to go, no, 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 Jesus, don't do that for me. Surely I can work this out on my own. Surely I'm good enough. Don't do that for me. This God isn't made up by human hands or by human imagination. This is the living God and here's the reality. In a secular world, where rationalism, modernism, and now postmodernism reign. Either he's God or he's not. Either he's God or he's not. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands people everywhere to repent. 
to run from judgment that is coming. Why? Because verse 31, he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. See, sin is going to be punished. Sin is going to be judged. God has appointed the day. And here's the truth about sin. All sin ever committed is punished. All sin in the history of the world is or will be punished. Either that sin is punished for those who believe and the punishment is laid upon Jesus Christ. He takes the sin upon his shoulders, he receives the punishment for it. We trust in him and we flee, not to the hills or Zoar, but we flee to Jesus. And he saves us from judgment that's coming. Or sin is judged for all eternity. Sodom being a historical reality as well as a metaphor when fire and sulfur rain down. Listen, flee, don't linger, don't look back. And believer, don't miss this. We can have a tendency to see those bound up in sin, to see those people sitting in that ant pile just lingering and go, what are you doing? They're so crazy, that's so silly. But listen, messengers of God, messengers of God see people lingering and they take them by the hand and they say, would you come with me? Would you come with me? Let's get out of this. Let me help you get away from your own sinfulness. Let me help you escape this. So I wonder, does somebody come to mind? Is there somebody the Lord would have you grab by the hand and say, can I be the messenger of God? Can we walk together out of this? It's a lady named Grit Seymour. Grit Seymour is a model and a fashion designer. But in 1998, she was a girl trying to get out of East Berlin. She had applied for exit visas over and over and over, and there was talk of the fall of communism, but it wouldn't come for another year. So she would apply for an exit visa, and she'd get denied, and then she'd apply for an exit visa, and she'd get denied. But November 23rd, 1998... Her visa was granted. She had four hours to leave. She gathered up what she could carry in her hands and she walked through an open gate to freedom. And she said, I stepped penniless into West Berlin. But it wasn't just like I walked through that gate. It was like a concrete block was falling off my back when I stepped to freedom. And she stepped to freedom and she didn't look back. See, I wonder today if some of you are walking around and you are burdened and it's like there's a concrete block on your shoulders. Even as I say it, you feel the tension of the burden. And the call is to flee and don't look back. That that concrete block might be taken off your shoulders in a form of a wooden beam that was laid on Jesus' shoulders. And you would flee to him and not look back. 